everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Dollar Bin Bandits, the only podcast with old friends discussing old comics with the people that created them. I'm Joe Marcello, joined as always by my partners in crime, Oren Phillips. Hey, everybody. And Mike Farah. Hello, hello. So it's Friday, everyone. Uh, what better way to ring in the weekend and kick it off than with an episode of the Dollar Bin Bandits? This week, we are proud to present to you our interview with Greg LaRoque. Now, I adore his work for a few reasons. The man has an extensive, amazing career on The Flash. Also, he's worked on a series that is absolutely near and dear to me. Who's who in the DC universe? Yeah, I really just had a great time talking with him, and especially because, uh, as is well known, I'm a huge uh, Marvel team-up fan, and he worked on Marvel team-up, and getting the opportunity to hear his stories and what it was like working with the different characters, uh, it was unbelievable. Um, yeah, this was another uh, great Oren Solo, one-on-one, mano-a-mano interview uh, with Greg LaRoque, um, and did a fantastic job. I especially um, remember Greg from... Uh, launching the Web of Spider-Man title, which I think was probably the third um, title after Amazing and Sensational, but don't quote me on that. Uh, Anyway, I think that started uh, with Louise Simonson and uh, dug into the black suit um, at that point. And so a lot of interesting stuff going on there. Um, But uh, let's get to it. This is Greg LaRoque. Sir, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. I, I want to start by asking, you know, early on, you did some work with DC and Marvel. What was kind of the learning tree you were under for both of them? Who were some of the folks that took you under their wing to, to help you with your craft? Yeah. Um, well, I started way back in 1980. I got my first assignment. Right. So we're talking 40 years ago. I had originally knocked on the door, dropped off a portfolio. Um, and that got their attention, but they didn't have work for me. So, um, they actually worked with me through the mail for about a year or so before they called me in. Um, it was Marvel who called me in. It was Al Milgram, who was the Spider-Man editor at the time. So he had seen my work, gave me a call, called me in, asked to look at my latest samples. On that day, uh, it's very easy to remember the time. February 29th, 1980 is when I got the phone call. It's leap day, leap year. So I got my samples ready. Uh, that was you know, in February. I was there maybe in a couple weeks, you know, showing my samples. Al didn't have work for me that day, but uh, he was generous enough. He introduced me to a couple editors there at Marvel, and uh, they liked the work as well and were lining up scripts for me. But they didn't have anything for me to take home that day. But Al says, you know, you're you know, from Baltimore. We're actually also in New York at the time, upstate New York. We'll just walk over to D.C., See if they got some work for you. Unheard of. <laughs> you know, there wasn't, you know, at the time, uh, artists working for two companies, for both companies. Um, but, yeah, I went over there, and uh, I went home with work. And then Wayne gave me, a, I think it was a six-page or four-page sci-fi story, Mystery in Space. That was my first work that they gave to me, not my first work published. And then I was, con- you know, continuing uh, with DC, but it was Al at Marvel, who was kind of like my mentor for – you know, the two, three years I was with Marvel. Um, he was a guy who, like I said, introduced me to every editor, you know, uh, in the office. Whenever I got an assignment, my process then was to get the uh, script. And rather than just draw, I 
do uh, trace paper dummies, show my layouts. And I go in and I had Al, uh, who would go over. Mark Grunwald was another editor, artist, who was, uh, you know, spent a lot of time with me, kind of like put me under his wing as well. And I always mentioned one other person. It was Al and Mark, because those guys were the, you know, current uh, artistic guys. But the first series I got with Marvel was actually Power Man and Iron Fist. And Denny O'Neill hired me for that. <laughs> so I had Al Milgram and Mark. I could talk about design and, you know, storytelling. But then you sit down with Denny O'Neill and he's going to tell you about story, man. You know? <laughs> so picking his brain was awesome. Um, and again, he was, uh, he was a man of four words. Okay. A lot of the business was, uh, was done through his uh, assistant. And the and the stent day at the time, but he always found time for me when I brought the work in to sit down there and review it, tell me what he liked, what he didn't like, and I always liked telling the story of uh, what he told me to um, pay attention to with the story time. And he says, "Think, you know, you're telling a joke just like you're telling a story, and there's a payoff at the end. You're building it up, and you're doing something to make sure that you have a payoff. So when you're doing story time, keep that in mind. And uh, yeah, it always uh, proved invaluable." Was it intimidating at all? I mean, all of a sudden you got to go talk to Denny O'Neill. Like, that. were you nervous at all? Or was it just kind of like, all right, this is the business? I'm a fanboy. <laughs> yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm still a fanboy. Uh, I was Marvel Main Action 63. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Denny, yes. I mean, of course, what what he had done for the industry. Right. You know, to that point, and then working for Marvel. Um, that was awesome. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I was the nervous guy. I kept quiet most of the time. I was very, you know, like a good, you know, good student tr- trying to be a good student. Right. And learn their feet. Um, and there was more. There was, you know, more. Tom DeFalco was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Mike Carlin. Okay. You know, gave me some work. You know, but yeah. Was it a laid back atmosphere? Because you hear stories of sort of. Uh a before and after time with Marvel that it before it was kind of a, you know, what sort of idea factory, anything goes. And then some folks say it's sort of Jim shooter took over and it became yeah. a little more tightened up and more. Yeah. questions. My time at Marvel, I, I really never went back and looked at how much time I was there before they, they fired me. Right. Uh, maybe three years, maybe two years. I'm not even sure, you know, but I was on Power Man Iron Fist. I did a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did the Spider-Man work. Right. And um, here's the story. Al brought me in. I was doing work for Denny. I was doing work for Danny Fingeroff, the Spider-Man work. Um, uh, Ralph Macchiacci hired me to do some dad's work that was never published. Um, but before I was hired for those books, I did the Avengers fill-ins. I did four months of the Avengers fill-ins. I did, uh, some what ifs. Yeah. Um, and for that first year, it was glorious. Absolutely glorious. I was dealing, the tough guy was Tom DeFalco. Okay. Tom was tough. But Mark was his assistant, so I'd spent an hour of Tom beating me up <laughs> and then Mark would step in and say, Greg, it's not so bad. Let me tell you what I like about this, you know? So right. they hit me good cop, bad cop stuff. <laughs> um, 
but during that time, you know, like I said, I felt like I was a student. I was listening to everything they said. And um, doing, I thought I was doing well, getting more and more work. Then Jim Shooter discovered me. Um, he gave me work. He gave me the Aladdin effect graphic novel. Mm-hmm. He gave me some uh, film work and work from um, Marvel Fanfare. Okay. Um, little secret I'd like to tell people about the, the Aladdin effect graphic novel. Uh, graphic novel. He called me into his office and he said, Greg, I can do a graphic novel with you or I can do a, a miniseries with you. So what would you rather do? Um, there were a lot of miniseries out at the time, but a graphic novel was basically new. It was a little bit more prestigious, you know, so a little bit more different format. Right. So I said, this is opportunity to, you know, to do something a little bit different. So I chose the graphic novel. Okay. It turned out to be a Latin effect. Missed a little story, but, you know, didn't make much of a, you know, ripple. <laughs> Uh, the miniseries was Secret Wars. Oh. So I turned down Secret Wars. All right. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah, yeah, but it turned out for the best, you know, because uh, my, my time on the graphic novel working with Shooter is what really led to my being shown the exit. Okay. Um, and it's pretty well known that Zek had his issues with Shooter during Secret Wars. Um, so I, I, I pretty much would have had the same experience, I'm sure, and turned out the same you know, I would love way. to book, yes. Yeah. But um, wasn't to be. All right. Just, well, to, to, just to finish on a thought, uh, it was glorious until I did meet Shooter. I don't want to get in that too much, but just, yeah. just my, 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 my thoughts about that and, and to let you know my side of it, why I was like very for Marvel. Mm-hmm. I had uh, pretty much every editor there asking me, am I available for work? After Web of Spider-Man came out, he didn't like it. Uh, and uh, I got put on his unofficial do not use list. I got told that by three different editors there. Um, the explanation I was given is that um, I don't draw the way Shooter wants me to draw, which is Marvel style. And if I want to continue working there, I need to draw like film the name of the artist. I'm not going to tell you the name of the gotcha. artist. But it was like, you know, Shooter, Shooter wanted to bring a guy in who he, he thought had some talent. Right. But, um, you know, just like he did so many other guys. I mean, there was guys he didn't touch. You know, certainly Frank Miller, you know, came in and blossomed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Leighton was doing great. But, um, you know, uh, and this came from, here, here's another thing came from Denny O'Neill. Because he knew I was struggling getting Shooters okay and approval. And I was still doing Paramount and Iron Fist. So this tells you how early it was, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he called me in, and he showed me a Bill Sienkiewicz cover of Moonlight. He said, what do you think of this? Oh, it's gorgeous. And, you know, Bill Sienkiewicz, when he was kicking, he was kicking. Dude. <laughs> he always does. But he told me, he says, I'm not even going to show this to Shooter. Shooter will never sign off on it. There's no way. So I'm not even going to show it to him. Oh, so we got the discussion about, you know, what, is, what, what did he want? Yeah. About, you know, and... and then he again says, you know, stay on the grid, six, nine panels, play it safe. I said, what about all that stuff that, you know, my family, Neil Adams was doing just a few years ago? He says, there's a reason Neil Adams is not working here. So I got the message, you know, you got to do what Shooter wants or you're not going to work. Gotcha. Uh, when, I, when I did Web of Spider-Man, issue number one, Jim Owsley was the new editor. 
Mm-hmm. Danny Finkelroth had done Marvel Team Up. I moved on to Web Spider-Man. They chose me to do Web Spider-Man number one. So I had a conversation with Owsley about the book. He knew he understood the situation with Shooter. <laughs> he would actually keep me down at the end of the hallway away from him in his office. Um, but um, we said we had a conversation. He says, this is his words. Greg, we're doing the third Spider-Man book. Why does this book exist? What are we going to do to make this book special and the number one Spider-Man book? Are we just going to cookie cutter, amazing and spectacular? Or are we going to do something exciting new? Let's go for it. So I went for it. I did things that Shooter specifically told me not to do. The panels, flying in and out of the panels. If you remember the book, there's the uh, Volturians. So yeah, Shooter hated every little bit of it. Fired me. Never got another job from Marvel after that. And uh, thankfully, DC was there for me. (laughs) Most definitely. Yeah. But you know, I hold no, I don't want that to sound like sour grapes. Right. It definitely will sound that way. But I, I, from Shooter's side, he gave me an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't willing to do it his way. Right. But I'm happy with that. And, you know. Yeah, you stuck to your guns. There you go. Yeah. Well, let's jump back to the Power Man and Iron Fist because you had a really good run on that. Yeah. Um, so you're signed the book. Mentally, what is your take on both characters? How do you want them? to look do you want him to look the way they had been going or did you want to add something of your own to it um we we had that discussion as well okay uh, i mean we were, we're still in the 80s here and uh luke was you know um science of black panther there were too many you know black characters in comics right and uh i don't know how much controversy there was but tearing shirt chain around the waist yep. The name Luke Cage, right. you know, but they went for it. Um, I suggested, yeah, let's, let's give the guy the whole new look. But uh, they were happy with it, you know. It was designed, I think, by you know, uh, what's his name, Billy Graham, okay, um, uh, a black artist, you know. So they were comfortable with that, right? Um, I mean, what, what, what an odd book, <laughs> you know, the, the character. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but there they are. When uh, what is it Netflix or wherever they are and yeah. um, and and still you know firing away. So what was but, your, uh, what was your design? What did you want him to look like? Oh, who knows at this point? Who knows? <laughs> I don't think I ever did any design, but uh, I mean that was the you know the burn years of those you know galactic looking, you know sharp looking stuff like that. So I'd have probably put something sleek on him, but I, but dark as well. You know, right. Power Man. Come on, he's Power Man. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. The thing I didn't like was almost every issue, he either ripped his shirt off or he got blown off or somehow he was bare chested by the end of it. You know? <laughs> yeah, that seemed to be a common theme with those books. It did. <laughs> <laughs> now, where, where did that book rank, I guess, sort of the, uh, the behind the scenes hierarchy? Was it considered uh, a, a top book or was it considered, or, you know, sort of a filler book that we put out? No, I mean, it was like, you know, second level, you know, they're, they're, they're top guys, but they, they did have a huge push. Right. Um, it was very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, the numbers did well. Okay. Um, yeah. 
you know, but they didn't use only, you know, like, you know, crossovers with other characters much, I think. And, um, you know, that their little universe that they kind of existed in, I think then he likes it that way to keep them kind of, you know, protected in their own little story and not get them mixed up in other things and all. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. They didn't really agree because, I mean, potential was an iron fist. Oh, really? They didn't get into. Yeah. Yeah, because you're making a good point. Like, Spider Man never really showed up. Daredevil really showed up. The, you know, Avengers, they so, like you said, they sort of stayed within their few block radius and mm-hmm. took care of business with that. But do you think the book had a lot more potential than maybe it was given? Um, every book does. Yeah. yeah, every book does. Every book is looking for that right creative team. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, uh, I don't know how many writers I've worked with on Paramere and Artifice. It was, you know, Archie, of course, was the, you know, did a few. Uh, Stephen Brandt, I think, did a few. Right. Um, uh, so, yeah, they kind of like, I think they were, didn't know really where they wanted to go. You know, somebody came up with this, you know, neat little idea that's put them together, the heroes for hire. Mm-hmm. And and then they had the girlfriends behind them. Uh, was it Misty? And uh, I can't remember the name. Uh, but yeah, man, I, we were we were breaking ground, man. Interracial couples way back in the eighties, and you know, so <laughs> Denny worked. Denny worked again. Yeah, most definitely. And I think you just made a really interesting point that when you have a revolving door of writers, mm. um, how tough is it for you as an artist? Because each writer wants your art to kind of capture their voice, and when it's sort of a you know a different time person each time, and you sort of have to adjust on the fly to match you know, what they're kind of looking for. Yeah. Is it frustrating or is it just kind of like, well, this is just, you know, part of the gig. It's part of the gig. Um, I was still very young, you know, getting my feet wet. Right. So working with different writers and seeing how they approached it. Um, the better writers are the ones who understand how much fits on a page. The ones who don't understand try to fit, you know, five pages of dialogue on one page. If you look at Paramere and Iron Fist, uh, some of those books are jam-packed with dialogue, just you know, crazy. Um, fine when it works, but I mean, if you, you maybe that's what it is. You get like uh, two issues to do, and then you're trying to do like five issues of story in your two issues, so you're, you're trying to jam in too much. Um, but it's a learning process. Every every script can be made a good script mm-hmm. uh, artistically. Um, it's like the old thing. Uh, I'm the singer, you're the song. Right. You know that old from the Tanya Tucker, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be their words, but we're the ones telling the story in pictures. Right. And we can mess it up, or we can glorify it. <laughs> uh, one of my issues sometimes is um, writers have an idea. They put it down in text. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they uh, miss the visual. So sometimes you got to add to the recipe a little bit as the artist. If you have full script, mm-hmm. you can add by 
you know, changing their instructions. You know, um, I've, I've had silly instructions, you know, uh, give me a two, <laughs> give me a two headshot looking over the guy's shoulder, you know, give me, you know, like down to the bottom of the shoulder. The guy is over here. Give me such specific instructions on where they are and what, what the action is, you know, an artist doesn't need that. Tell me what they're saying. Right. Let me have the camera angle decided by me. Mm-hmm. You know, let me have the shading and all that decided by me. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the whole thing. I'm doing the cinematography. Right. You know, I'm, I'm doing all the blocking and everything. So I don't need the writer while he's, you know, thinking about dialogue, thinking, oh, I'd like this nice shot from behind the head. <laughs> and it's not that they're just asking for the one shot. It's like panel for panel for panel. Mm-hmm. You know, telling you how to storytell. And uh, that's not the writer's job. Right. So I, I, I don't, you know, care to work. Uh, <laughs> that much instruction. Can you push back? Uh, at your own risk. Okay. At your own risk. You better have justification if you're making changes and don't get the okay for it. Gotcha. Um, but a good editor knows to get the best work from his team there has to be give and take from both sides. Okay. Uh, the guy who I worked the absolute best with was Bill Loads mm-hmm. on Flash. And he's acknowledged that uh, in interviews. Um, he sometimes, his script was maybe a page wrong. It wasn't even a script. It was, you know, synopsis. Yeah. No, I have a whole thing about Bill a little later on. Uh, he's uh, oh, okay. one of the first guests we ever had. So we're big oh, sweet. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll start with that one there. We'll go back to him later. Gotcha. But uh, I, I really do. Um, it's a creative process. You know, you got to dig that story out of there, man. So you really see sometimes the page and what that, you know, action, what that sequence looks like on paper. Right. Or not on paper, but drawn, you know, imagery. Mm-hmm. You just don't know. So, That's you know, you just you got to trust your artist. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, like I said, at Marvel, they didn't want to trust me. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's got to be frustrating when it's sort of that you know, feeling oh. that you might be second guessed about every little thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you honestly, man, the, the conversation I was telling you earlier about Danny showing me the Sinkevich cover. Yeah. I'll tell you there, there were editors who used to gather themselves before they left to go in shooter's office. Wow. Because he was, he, he was nice. He could, I mean, he charmed you. Right. But what do you say? Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, not not to get on him too much. Right. But once I did get on that list and I found out it was Shooter, I tried for weeks, if not months, to get him on the phone. Yeah. Wouldn't take my phone call. And that's. I never saw him, never saw him again for 20 years or whatever it was. So I saw him at a convention. Wow. Just said, I, you know, Man, oh man. Well, I, I want to touch a bit on Marvel Team Up because it's one of my favorite books from Marvel. Oh, I love that book. Thanks, man. I was going to say, like, artistically, it's got to be kind of cool where every week you're kind of getting something a little different, a different character than, you know, one you've been working on where, mm-hmm. you know, one week it's like Spider Man and Moondragon, and the next thing it's Thing in the Delancey Street gang, you know, just random pairings and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, how was that for you? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And, and 
it's just for the reason that you're saying, you know, you don't you never knew what you were going to be drawing the next month. Right. You know, Moon Knight, Captain Marvel. Um, God, I can't even remember. Nomad. <laughs> you know, the, the odd little characters, man, you know. And then the I did the, my, my greatest uh, Marvel team up was uh, the assistant editor's month. Okay. When it was uh, Mike Carlin wrote it, what is Aunt May was the Herald of Galactus. Oh, okay. That'd be pretty cool. Month? You remember that? Yes. Okay. That's, and that was, that was what was fresh. Like, it expanded what could be. It's, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, yeah. and it's instead of following, because some books just follow the certain pattern, like, okay, we got to stay within this realm. It's sometimes nice to, you know, break the boundaries a little bit. The editors, they let them loose for one month, and they, they, they let loose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another trivia thing about that story, right? Uh, two months later, mm -hmm. it was the Marvel team up with the famous uh, Arthur Adams, oh, yeah. Daredevil, and Black Widow cover uh, with the first uh, Black Spider Man yep, costume. Spider yep. You go to the letters page in that book, you're going to find a fan letter from somebody who wrote in and said to give Mike Carlin. And Greg LaRoque, a no prize for that Aunt May story, Stan Lee. Stan Lee wrote a fan letter and gave me a no prize, dude. Dude. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> What's your reaction when you heard oh, that? Man. <laughs> what was your reaction when, when you when you found this out, man? I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Stan, my boy. <laughs> I met him years later at a convention. Mm -hmm. Um he was holding court. If you know Stan, he always used to sit head above everybody in the crowd. Right. And he's walking with a crowd of people. And I'm there with Scott Lobdell. Mm -hmm. So he knows Scott very well. He's there, you know, he calls him, what's he call him? Um, Bobby? Something like that. Something weird. Bobby. <laughs> Bob Bell. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you see Scott and they, we make a, a you know, line to each other and they're talking. I'm just like kind of like standing there and he's, he, you know, sees me standing there and says, yeah, hey, who are you? And I said, hey, I'm just a friend of Scott's. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to hold that against you. <laughs> and then we talked a little bit. I never let him know I was, you know, drawing comics and all, but uh, it, it was uh, very neat, very neat. Wow. That is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and since you mentioned it, uh, a little bit about Web of Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, and you, you, you hit a point right off the bat that I wanted to ask you. Did you think a third book was necessary? Um, not necessary, you know, but Spider-Man has, as, as you know, like now it's like exploded, some different Spider-Man, Spider-Man, all kind of stuff. Um, and he was their bread and butter for a long while, mm -hmm. but it, it's like the, the conversation I had with him, he says, why are we going to do this? Why are we going to do a third book? We're not going to make it cookie cutter. We're not going to make it the third book. We're not going to just say we're doing the same thing that they're doing and what they've asked us to do at Marvel Team Up. Right. Let's make this new. Let's make it exciting. Let's make it looking forward. Right. Um, so Jim had big plans. Mm -hmm. I had big plans. Yeah. No, we don't want that. Did we want the cookie cutter stuff. I was going to say you had to keep. Did you have to keep within continuity of what's going on with Amazing and Peter Parker? Like you couldn't do something that you know. On your own, they'll be like, wait, two issues ago when Peter Parker, he said this, so you can't do that. Yeah, always. 
Oh, yeah. Everything has to be very, you know, that's why they kept the Danny was the guy who, you know, did all three titles. Mm-hmm. He was able to manage scripting, you know, three different books right. and keep that continuity. So, you know, I think, uh, like, uh, Spectacular had the thing going on with uh, Black Hat at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whatever was going on with Amazing, you know, with Team Up was, you know, because it was, you know, the appearance of the guest star. Um, they cut very little out of the um, uh, you know bringing in the other characters and the continuity continuity was the word I was looking for. But if you remember in the very first issue of web, um, going into two, maybe three is the story of Aunt May and Hat. Mm-hmm. So I think the direction was going to be a little bit more, much like we did with Flash. Yeah. We said Flash was more the life and times of Wally West. So the life and times, even though they did Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, that was just a, still a Spider-Man book. And uh, they were developing, of course, Peter Parker, but he was still, it's like the uh, Quentin Tarantino thing. Spider-Man is the star, and almost like Peter Parker is the secret identity, but you know, so hidden in the yeah. storyline to propel the the identity, the Peter Parker identity, to the feature would have been something like you know, I think would have worked well. I think so, just to show like the human side, because the man behind the suit has his own problems. Like there has to, the decision making he makes as Spider-Man. Is that a Peter Parker? So to look at that, I think it would yeah. have been a, a really cool take on it. Yeah. yeah. You know, you- I think they were very superficial during the uh, the seventies into the eighties about how they handled Peter Parker. Right. If if you if you're a fan way back to the thicker days, mm-hmm. you know they transformed him when Ramiti came in. Um. You know that's fine. Right. You know, but still there was a character that was lost. And, uh, you know, certainly he had the relationships in Amazing Spider-Man, you know, the drama even. Right. But uh, I think that there was, yeah, there was room for a little bit more Peter Parker. I agree 100%. Were you told to keep your art looking like the art in the other two books? Or were you, I mean, I know you've, you had your own uh, art issues. Yeah. But did you feel that you had to stay within, okay, where this guy doing? What's how's he drawing Spider-Man or one of his nemesis? I better stay pretty close to that. The, um, the reason Danny hired me for Spider-Man is because he liked how I drew Spider-Man. Nice. And I don't think it was like the other artists. No. Um, but the head was different, you know, um, it is, if you look at the transition under times, um, he was very, stocky <laughs> in all the Spider-Man stuff. I got back to that lean, you know, yeah. spider man look. Um, but what the, and I don't know who decided this, but if you look at that early Spider-Man work and even the Avengers work, now I love these guys. They were before me, and this is not criticism. This is an explanation about, you know, what went down. Uh, my artists, my inkers on Avengers was Chick Stone, 
Uh, Brett Breeding did one. He did some of the work, and then somebody else had to finish it. And who was the other guy? I don't know. The What Is Stories, uh, Mike Esposito did it. Um, on uh, Team Up, it was Mike Esposito. Mm -hmm. On Web, it was Jim Mooney. Okay. All right. Uh, Paramount Iron Fist, we had uh, some young artists, um, different kind of line. But with Spider-Man, I think what they wanted to do was, you know, had a younger guy, still getting his feet wet. So we'll throw on these very established artists who know Marvel style, who do the number two brush. And they can put their finishes on top of him. And matter of fact, if you look at some of the, um, I was getting so busy that they asked me to do breakdowns on some books, meaning I just did, you know, light breakdowns and then the inker would finish it. Right. Yeah. So I think what they, what they were doing is even though they weren't redrawing, you know, um, it was still an inker embellishes. So you see certainly their work over top the pencil work. Right. And um, they were able to still have a little bit of that, you know, spidey, established look, established line mm -hmm. um, over top my, you know, more of a, you know, different look. Gotcha. Um, and I was happy with that, you know. Um, when the work is good, it's good. When it's sometimes rushed, you know, that's the only time you get a little upset. But, uh, I know that there was uh, issues. I I drooled over uh, Jim Mooney, and uh, yeah, a lot of people, you know, don't like Vince Coletta. I love Vince Coletta. Right. Thor was my favorite book growing up, and the Kirby Coletta Thors are the classics, in my opinion. Uh, some of the best comics ever ever made, never drawn. Right. Um, yeah, and uh, Coletta had inked me at DC. He did the graphic novel. So for that first few years, I mean, I was working with seniors. <laughs> yeah. So, what is a good merge? Most good definitely. Merge. Uh, we spoke to Ron Friends because we asked him his thoughts on the black suit Spider-Man, and uh -huh. he was not a fan of it. He did not like. He didn't. Mm -hmm. He just thought it was basically, you know, kind of drawing an outline and someone filled in black. Right. Uh, what did you think about it? Because finally, you get as a fan, you get yeah. Spider-Man, but it's a black suit with a white thing on this chest. They wouldn't let me draw it the way I wanted to draw it. Hmm. I wanted to draw like Black Bolt. Okay. I wish I had one. So I'm sure you're not, but they're, they're digital. It's not on the... If you want to email them to me, we could just, you know, for the video part, uh, we could uh, add them in. Do it later, though? Yeah, 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 that's fine. Okay, yeah, I'll send it to you. Yeah, but I've done a couple commissions of the Black Suit the way I wanted to draw it. Okay. And uh, totally different from, you know, I want to show you, the, you know, the musculature. Yeah. You know, and that black, you know, I got to translate so well when you do it that way. But theirs was, you know, everything is blacked out. All you're doing is, like you said, just a black, and a little, you know. Right. If you put a little white, you know, highlight here and there. So, yeah, you know, I kind of like, I thought it was a cool design, but they didn't let us, you know, do anything nice with it. There was sort of a set pattern that they wanted to follow. And... That's that. Uh, um, what sword I'm looking for? Uh, really, the um, maquette. Okay. And they'll do uh, style guides. Mm 
Mm -hmm. Right, Matt Kelly, of course, is like a little statue where they'll turn and give you every, you know, every little detail. And they have style guides um, to show you, like uh, how I saw one for Superman drawn by uh, Jose Luis Garcia. Yeah. You know, so this is our Superman. You know, this is how that S is supposed to look. The cape comes down to here. Um, we didn't get that with Spider-Man, but the instruction was, you know, hey, this is what's published here in um, Secret Wars. This is what Zek did. Um, this is the costume. Oh, that's cool. Can I put a little bit more? No. <laughs> so they're they're protecting their character. You know, you can't if, if they let every artist come in and just you know take over and, and do their way every time. It's not going to work. So right, makes sense. Compromise. Yeah, you have to sort of find that happy medium in between. There you go. That's yeah, it. I want to jump to DC, uh, but I just want to touch back on something. You're talking about inkers. Yeah. In your experience, what ink, what kind of inker are you looking for for your work? What, is, what do they need to bring that you think is going to make your work look the best? When I started with Marvel, my pencils were so tight, they didn't want me drawing that tight. Because, you know, like I said, some inkers were coming in with a little bit more finishes. Mm -hmm. And what they wanted me to concentrate on was design, uh, the storytelling. You know the the drama of the book. Um, I hate to call it the three Ds: drawing, draftsmanship, dynamics. Yeah, dynamics, something like that. Okay. Um, but the, you know, it's, it's more than just sitting down and drawing a good face. Mm -hmm. It's what's the face is saying, telling you know the composition. So um, yeah, they need to be working more. You know, trying to strengthen that rather than just the pure drawing. So, um, you know, they had me, you know, try, you know, a couple of different things and work with a couple of different anchors. Um, but to give you a perfect example, I'm going to jump over to DC. Okay. I did Legion of Superheroes for a while. Started with Larry Milestat. I only had two anchors on that book. Larry Milestat, or I'll say three anchors. Okay. okay. Larry Milestat and then Mike DiCarlo. I love Larry's work. But boy, man, Mike DiCarlo, <laughs> when he got on that book, I was in total heaven. Yeah. I was drawing Legion of Superheroes with a great anchor. Man. He, that guy's got skills. Yeah. And the reason I liked him early on, um, my style is more of a, my idols, Neil Adams, you know, more of a fine line, a little bit more feathering, working it up, you know, not the number two line. Not the Joe Sinnott number two brush line. Um, Milestad, Larry Milestad had that number two brush line, nice thick lines. I mean, the, the editors and publishers love that because of printing problems. And they just love that, you know, bold Joe Sinnott line. Joe Sinnott was the Marvel look, of course, mm -hmm. 70s. Um, but uh, Adams had a nice, you know, feather technique. Mike Grell, if, if I could have Mike Grell ink some of my work, man, I'm, I mean, I'm <laughs> But uh, DiCardo, when he started on Legion, I don't know, he did maybe a dozen books with me where he did this nice, fine feathering. Look beautiful. I was so happy with it. Then I picked up whatever book it was, and I looked at it, and I said, oh, my God, Karen got a new anchor. But that was Mike DiCardo down there. What the heck happened here? And it was, it was what I say. He, he went from the fine line to the curvy look. Okay. And if you're, anybody's a Legion of 
Legion, a Legion fan, they can go in there and they'll see it, you know, a break, you open up the page and it's all of a sudden Kirby. It's, you know, the Kirby line where he even did the Joe Senate little, you know, crazy little zigzag and stuff like that. He started putting that stuff in it and I didn't draw any of that stuff. Oh, really? Come to find out, uh, he's not even drawing the book anymore. You know, he's got an assistant who works with him and does half the work. Hmm. So, uh, you know, that was very disappointing. Yeah. Um, but in order to do that, what he would do is he would go in with that number two brush and just do some real quick lines, have the other guy finish it, I guess. Um, and I hated it. Yeah. I hate it. You know, and tell you how crazy I am. Should I say this? Greg, why are you doing this? If you, if you, have, if you want well, to talk back, we can cut it. We can always edit it. I, I asked my editors. I said, no, we, we got to have a meeting. You gotta put, you gotta call Mike in here. If you don't stop this, I'm gonna be captain. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I was I was joking. I would have never. Right, 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 right. But still, I, but I was just so upset. Yeah. So, I, because it went from glorious to, what did you do? Right. And uh, I mean, is that commonplace for for changes like that to happen, or was it? Do you think that it was a you know a directive and just because I, of a little thing or? Now you know why that change was made. I, yeah. My thoughts was he, he got busy. Okay. And he was working on other books, and he didn't have the time to devote to it, so he had somebody help him out. And this was his way of you know handling it, work quicker. Gotcha. Yeah. So, gotcha. Uh, but I mean, the scheduling, yeah, that's a big issue, right? Um, if if an editor doesn't have their act together. And doesn't have creators that are able to meet their schedules. Right. Um, this is what happens. You know, there's, I mean, there's a very famous artist at the time. I'm not going to mention his name again. Um, again, sometimes I sound too critical, too opinionated here. <laughs> you look at his work, and it's like 15 pages of glorious, glorious stuff, and then five pages of the rush stuff because he couldn't meet the schedule. But you got to meet the schedule. Yep, that's the key to the comic business is, you know, hitting that schedule to make sure everything looks uniform. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to talk about Legion because, you know, you jump to DC and you, you really knock it out of the park with Legion. Uh, oh, thank you. It, it looks great. Uh, was I know you did some Avengers stuff and things like that, but was this the first long time kind of team book that you worked on that you had a longer okay. run on? Okay. Yes. Yeah. And a dream book. Okay. I was a Marvel maniac. Mm -hmm. I collected everything Marvel. I only collected or bought Superboy and Legion okay. of DC. You know, if you're a fan from those days or read that stuff, I mean, FF1 changed everything. Mm -hmm. We were reading, I mean, Legion was a good book. <laughs> you know, they, kids and stuff like that and your cosmic characters fun book but batman still had you know some of the silliness in it mm -hmm. uh, not silliness you can't, you can't yeah you know? but uh, superboy i love the book but still it was you know a mono visiting ultra boy visiting lana lang trying to cut the hair <laughs> uh, comics over a different era so uh, I, I didn't get into them, and I didn't get into comics until Marvel. 
exploded in 63. Mm -hmm. So um, after working for Marvel um, and had, of course, begun at DC, uh, once I found out I wasn't going to get any more work with Marvel, uh, first person I called was Karen Berger to ask for Legion. And somehow or another, timing was right. I got the book. Awesome. That had to be something, to, you know, for it to all of a sudden, you know, sort of a bit of a sour experience. Mm -hmm. You want the book? You got the book, the book that you wanted. And mm -hmm. it's off and running from there. Thank God DC was there for me, you know. Yeah. What's, what was the DC environment like? I'm I sorry? Hear, what was the DC environment like? I hear it was a little more buttoned up, a little more corporate. Uh, much more professional. I'd say okay. professional. Um, uh, working with Paul <clears throat> and Karen uh, was my first you know, long-term experience at DC. And of course, Paul, I, I don't know if his title was editor-in-chief, but he was basically Shooter's version. Paul Levitz. And Paul Levitz, yes. He okay. was writing the, the entire time I was in the book. So, um, this is explaining, you know, personally, we were right. talking about how mentally it was, you know, tough. Yeah, it was very disappointing to leave DC or leave Marvel, <clears throat> but felt very happy when, you know, DC gave me work right away. Um, but at the same time, I realized I jumped from editor-in-chief at Marvel to editor-in-chief at DC. I got in trouble with the editor-in-chief at Marvel. Greg, don't make the same mistakes over here. Gotcha. But thank goodness Paul Levitz is the sweetest guy in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, never went a day where I had to wait for a script. Uh, he wrote full script. Allowed me a little bit of tinkering. Okay. But I followed his script faithfully. If there were any changes, we talked about it. Um, and at that point, I made an adjustment because I wasn't going to make the same mistake. And I went from trying to be the artist creator slash creator to illustrator in the book. So I let Paul take the lead. You know, he had written a book for a while. We even had this discussion, book this, um, Paul, this is your book. You and Keith have, you know, taken this thing to pipes. I hope I can just, you know, keep up with you guys. So I was happy to do it that way. Of the 27 different characters in the book <laughs> to draw a whole universe of new characters all the time, new aliens, starships. And, you know, this book was just so much fun to draw with what he was giving me. Um, I didn't have to worry about direction. Right. I mean, everybody knew the book, you know, it was a soap opera book. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Giffen calls it the uh, romance comic. You know, true romance comedy. But yeah, I mean, Paul's idea was we got, you know, 27 young heroes together and, you know, we're going to make it all about a little, you know, drama among them. And, uh, we had some, you know, cool adventures. Right. But uh, anytime you get to draw, you know, Mana and Ultra Boy and Superboy flying through space, destroying huge spaceships and new characters like Block, um, really, really cool. Yeah, I, love, I just love drawing that book. Who was your character favorite character? My favorite character to draw yeah. or a favorite character? To draw. Uh, there's two. Okay. I have to mention two because I can't mention one or the other. <laughs> but one is going to be mentioned first, and maybe she's first. Dawnstar and Dream Girl, the two femme fatales. Uh, favorite character that would be Mano. And it just 
you know, I, I really wish that they had done a lot more with him while I was on the book. You know, yeah, he was just, he's awesome. Wait, how for, as a fan of the book, then you're working on the book, but you're working with someone, a writer who kind of gets it, like who gets the story. You know what I mean? It's not like someone where you sort of sit like, all right, I guess they're taking it this direction, but someone who you're like, okay, I really dig what you're doing with this. Yeah. You know, I mean, you should always be enthusiastic about what you do, but it does make you more enthusiastic about writing it because you're like, yeah, I, I totally, like, I understand the story. I know what he's trying to do. This works. Um, that's motivation. Yeah. Motivation is so key to this job. And you just picked up on it. You asked that, so you must understand. If you have material that you don't want to work on, because uh, for, for whatever reason, um, your job goes from being um, energizing, exciting, and motivation to, you know, it's work. Right. Now I gotta drag myself and force myself to fill this. Um, I did a book recently, right? It wasn't for none of the top guys. Hmm. Wouldn't even mention a publisher, it'd be unfair to them. I had a 22 page story where at least 11 pages, maybe 15 pages. It was a person talking to a monitor, a computer screen, telephone, or you know, at the command desk. Yeah. It was all just exposition, dialogue. And uh, I mean, you can make it dramatic. You can do your best. Right. At the end of the day, you're drawing a guy sitting there looking at a monitor. So, how do you uh, push through? I mean, how do, how do you personally push through and say? You, you, you be a professional. Yeah. You make sure everything you draw is, is better than the last thing you draw. And you try to find a way to make it interesting, make it dramatic. Right. You know, so you're just. Uh, Think of yourself as a cinematographer. What's the angle? What's the lighting? What's the emotion? What are they saying? Uh, it doesn't have to be action. You know, I understand that. Um, but, you know, that much exposition, that much, that type of dialogue, I think is pushing a little bit. <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> Just a bit. It's fun for the reader, too, you know? <laughs> Just write, write a novel, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you, you go from Legion and then and very, I think, a comic book underrated duo, you and Bill Loeb's working together yeah. on The Flash because everything worked on that. Uh, you guys just, it, it's sometimes it's a rare thing when everything clicks. And I think yeah. that's what was going on here with that. Oh, yeah, thank you. How well, right there, that cover, man. Can you imagine I get the script? Uh, he's got a porcupine man. He's got all these you know, little sh shards of uh, wood all sticking out of him because he ran. I, I know this is uh this is for a podcast, so if you have it, everyone look up uh the flash number twenty six. But this back page that's beautiful. That is the, the emotion, everything. Uh, I, I looked at that. And I'm like, this is ridiculously good, man. Yeah. I mean, 
Remember Eddie uh, Beal's thing about the payoff? Yeah. That's a payoff right there. That's 100% payoff. How Did you approach them to do the Flash? Did they come to you and say, hey, we have an opening at the Flash? Opening on the Flash? Would you like it? Okay. Karen, what do you think? She says, well, you know, maybe it's time for something new. But, uh, okay. And Bill? So I was going to do it. I would say Bill and you got along off the bat, or I'm sorry. Did you and Bill know each other prior, or did you meet? I did not know Bill prior. Of course not. Yeah, you know, um, didn't know the name actually. Didn't know about his work. Right. Uh, we we had a meeting in New York. You know, um, God, who was the first editor? Uh, Carl's wife, Carl Kessel's wife. Barbara Kessel. Okay. Uh, she was the editor at the time, set up a lunch. We had a nice little lunch together. I think he did the Detroit at the time. They flew him in. And I had already read a couple of the scripts. We were maybe drawn a couple already. And um, the only question I had for him is, I said, Bill, man, how much of an asshole do you really think Wally is? <laughs> <laughs> he says, look, man, don't worry about that. <laughs> you know, we're going to you know, build him up. <laughs> We're going to, you know, we got to start him at a low point to get him up to that high point. Right. So, and that's exactly what we did, man. I, I, I love the the approach you took, the humanizing approach. You know, the the, the faults that Wally had, um, womanizer, uh, sleazy, some at some, you know, level. Um, but uh, he learned, and. Uh, you know, wanted, to, wanted to be the Flash. Wanted to earn the Flash, the title of the Flash. So um, it, it changed the direction uh, of the book. Uh, I mean, it changed the direction of the the history of the book. And you know, oh yeah, one hundred percent. I'm very curious for you artistically with the character like the Flash, who is 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 you know power is being in motion. So you have to draw motion. But yeah. in his mind, everything's slowed down. So there's facial expressions. There's what he's thinking. There's what he's seeing. How are you drawing motion at the same time showing him, you know, what, what he's going, what's going through his head? Right. Um, the problem with super speed in a comic book is you're dealing with a static medium. So um, super speed tricks uh, visually have to be played a certain way. Um, to me, just showing the flash running had been done a million times. Right. I tried to come up with a unique way of showing his running because I was hoping to expand on it a little bit. My feelings were flash didn't run. Flash flashes. <laughs> Even if you look at the stupid effects they do on the TV show. <laughs> I'm coming, guys. And, and, and the whole sign is just what you talked about. Doesn't make sense does not make sense. If he's 
kicks into super gear where everybody else is motionless. But still, he runs across the country in one second. If everybody's motionless and he's in his sink in regular time, it takes him how long to run across the country? He doesn't flash across in one second. He's aware of all these guys being still, and he has to go foot by foot all the way across the country. It's not super speed. You know? So my concept was he's the flash. Right? He flashes. So I never I never once drew Wally running. Never once drew him running. He's just flashing. Think of him as the ice skater. And go look and look at my flash work. You know, he was skating. He's flashing within his aura. So like if he if he takes off and, and goes five hundred feet, he doesn't run five hundred feet, he just pushes off. And he's so fast by five hundred feet away is the second step. You know? So I want to develop that. I want to have him fly. You know, just they've done it before in the books. Right. But they didn't want to, you know, they want to make him a flyer. So they want him to run. Which okay, he runs, but you know. Um, just not running the guy. Look at how did you watch the Flash TV series? The the one that's on now or yeah, uh, Netflix or something like that. Yeah, it's on CW. Yep, CW. Yeah, uh, I don't like how they portrayed Flash, but Zoom was portrayed wonderfully, man. You know, they, ooh, you know, you can't mess with this guy, right? And Flash is, you know, it's the same guy. It's just the attitude, it's the way you portray him, right? So yeah, you know, visually, um, I wanted to, you know, expand a little bit on the way he looked running. Uh, with the lightning coming out, you know, the new costume that was, you know, a little bit more, you know, I was doing a little bit more of that than anybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I tried to give him that, you know, distinctive little, little look, you know. Um, I think the new costume was a, a big help, definitely. Uh, did you have a hand in yeah. that? Huh? Did you have a hand in that? Oh, I did that, I, I, I designed that. That's awesome. <laughs> I gotta ask. Okay, so talk talk to me about uh, how you came up with it. Walk me through the the process of you creating it and then you pitching it. Oh, um, we knew it was going to be a new costume because the story Bill asked for it. Right. Right. So it was his idea. Right. Uh, to upgrade. Um, Brian asked me to do some sketches. Um, I came up with about six different looks for him. Some variations of uh, Wally's. Uh, Kid Flash mm-hmm. with the hair out. You know, I like that. A little bit more yellow in it. But um, everything we looked at didn't say Flash. It said Kid Flash. Okay. So uh, second try, just do a little bit more variation of the Flash look. Just jazz it up a little bit. Um, and that's what we did. We just gave it the angles, a little bit more, you know, the flashy anger look. A little bit more of the sheen. You know, I did a little crazy thing with the eyes and the wings. You know. And um, yeah, I just think it, you know, really just modernized them so well. So um, I'm just glad they stuck with it, even when Barry came back. <laughs> How if they have. I think they have. How does okay. it feel to be part of Flash history? Like, it's you who created this. Uh, just, to, you know, from beginning to end, working yeah. in comic books, I mean, there was a thrill. Right. Um, I got that. I don't know if I'll ever be able to match. I mean, I'm number one Spider-Man, Web Spider-Man, uh, Flash, through the death of Superboy. Right. But the first one early on, 
was an assignment I got from Shooter of all times, of all things. It was an Avengers story. Uh, Avengers versus the new um, Masters of Evil. Cat was in there. Thor was in there. Hawkeye was in there. She-Hulk was in there. Uh, bird breeding. Uh, the Yankee. So, um, drawing an Avengers book with the, with the Masters of Evil in there, I was like, I'm a comic book artist, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the feeling right there. There it is, man. <laughs> I want to be cognizant of your time, so I just have a couple more uh, quick questions for you. Oh, um, you did uh, some independent books. Yes. Spoken to a few different people, and they said they need to do independent books to get their creativity sometimes either back on track mm -hmm. or to, to just to get things out of their system. Because when you're working with sort of the big two, you can be creative like you've seen, but there are some barriers put on you as far as how creative can you go. Did yeah. you feel you needed to jump to do some independent stuff just to let what you had out? Um, just to continue working in the field. Okay. Um, I, I did some, um, create our own stuff, right? publish on my own. Um, that really started out as uh, a pitch that was hopefully going to be like uh, across genres, even into the gaming field. Um, yeah, we had people that were talking about looking at the characters and maybe investing in, into it as a game. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we published, uh, I think, four books and two graphic novels okay. and we did well as a publisher. Every book made money, but uh, not, a, not to continue moving on. So I got my feet wet as a publisher. That was fun. Uh, did some writing. Um, but what I enjoyed most of all is uh, the opportunity because then I can say, you know what guys, you want me to draw this book? I'm going to ink it. Right. So, um, I inked my own stuff. Uh, little known fact, I did like four razors back in the 80s or 90s, whatever it was. Okay. Um, that was fun. That was gory. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I got a chance to, to ink myself. And I mean, there's nothing better than inking yourself. Uh, my last work with uh, uh, American Mythology, I don't know if you know about that work, but I did um, uh, Stargate, about, what was about? seven or eight issues of uh, Stargate for them. Um, I did a bunch of covers. I did some Three Stooges covers and, oh, and cool. different things. Um, so I actually got to uh, ink and color my work with them. Nice. That's pretty awesome. I you can see it. I'll be right back. Okay. Tell a joke or something. <laughs> oh, I'm looking for a Three Stooges cover. I know I got one here. Alrighty. There's a Stargate cover. I'll show you my Stargate. Sure. But here, yeah, I, I was able to ink. Oh, that's sweet, man. And color this. Yeah. And uh, of course, I didn't get any opportunities. Nicely done. Man, it's hard to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can see it just fine on this, yeah. Sweet, yeah. And also did the, I, I just uh, had to quit. Yeah. 
but I was still working. I was working for um, Advent Comics. Okay. Uh, Hand-me drawn the regulators and uh, another one called um, Superhero Book, Superhero Team Book. Okay. Um, but I couldn't keep up. I couldn't keep. I couldn't make my schedules because of my arthritis. I don't know if you know about that, but the got arthritis pretty bad now. Oh, jeez. Okay. It keeps, it keeps me from uh, meeting my schedules. I can still draw, but I can't. I can't meet a book. Yeah, can't do a book. Did any? Was there ever any interest on your part, um, or on their part, from Image or Valiant at the time? Uh, from Image, yes. I okay. met um, <clears throat> Silvestri. Okay. At a convention. And he invited me to California. Uh, I was trying to get him to do work for me, actually. You know, <laughs> I wanted to do uh, an alternate cover on the the uh, Exile stuff that I was doing. So I approached him and said, "Hey, man, you know, I'm a big fan of your work. Um, I know you're, you know, super starting a business right now, but man, I'm slow that you, you know, <laughs> do an alternate cover for me. Maybe you can find something I like it." And he says, "Well, you know, I got a better idea. Why don't you come out to California and work for me?" <laughs> but I was already committed to what I was doing. Gotcha. But I should have dropped. I should have dropped that one right after. Man. Just, <laughs> I want to ask you guys. So the t- you were working at the time when we'll call it the image revolution, where the 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 rock star artists, you know, is sort of changing things. Yeah. Did you ever feel maybe I got to change my style a little bit to sort of, you know, with the big guns and the muscles and the, you know, all that stuff, or were you just sort of like, you know, what that's what they do. This is what I do. Um, if I had been, yeah, given an opportunity to work, you know, offered a real like opportunity to to work, like the conversation with Sylvester was, you know, come out and see stuff like that. I don't even know what he had planned for me, but I couldn't take it. Um, but I should have, so I mean, should have seen what that opportunity was. Right. Um. Having um, been fired at Marvel, work dried up at DC. Right. Um, you know, I was getting some independent work. Uh, was trying to, you know, get my own thing going. Right. Um, and then what we did was we looked at the market. That was the year of the bad girl. If you remember, she... Razor. Yes, um, yes, 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 yes. Okay. You know, yep. so it was during that time. Right. And uh, so my book had a girl named Trouble and Crybaby. Right. So it was basically a big girl book. So yeah, I was kind of like making a business decision. Right. You know, uh, this is what's selling at your time. Mm-hmm. I could sit here and say, you know, what I really want to do is a great rip off of, you know, you know, another, you know, humanistic story of Wally, you know, and Peter Parker and, you know, do what I want to do. What do I want to, you know, I was taking my money. I was taking some family money. I was taking some investment money from other people right. that you feel that responsibility. I got to do something else, not just what I want to do. Right. So I, I, that book, you know, the, the crybaby and the exile stuff was uh, my attempt at being, you know, the popular artist and, right. and uh, going for you know, the, 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 the uh, sales, you know, was popular in the crowd choosing book at the time. Right. Gotcha. But I just, I just, I just love superior work. Right. And you do you it know? very well. <laughs> uh, your son has a YouTube 
channel, No Good Comics. Yes, Justin. Yes. Does he realize who his dad is? Like, is it? Does he know? Does he say like, "Oh, you're an artist"? Or does he realize like, I mean, if you look at your Wikipedia page, you uh-huh. worked on so many books, like big name uh, titles and all that stuff. Uh, does he get that that was you? You have to ask him that, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't think um, none of my kids appreciate. Um, you know, uh, the comic book, you know, my history is, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's just been what that does. Right. And Justin, uh, if you've, uh, spent any time listening to, you know, his, his vlog and stuff, mm-hmm. he's a huge, uh, ex, ex boy, mm-hmm. you know, John Byrne, ex fanboy. So we have a little thing going about, Oh man, don't read the Legion, but you know, you like the X-Men, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't think he's, you know, he doesn't, he wouldn't know who Monel was. Right. He wouldn't know who Catalyst was. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, he knows, uh, you know, that I, <laughs> I have worked in the business. He knows, uh, you know, that's what I've done. Um, he, he he was very excited one time. He called me up. He said, Dad, I just met Ethan Van Cyver. You knew who you were. Oh, okay, cool. Who the thunk? <laughs> you know? And it, my my other son uh, Ben is in the other room right now. We did a convention, and uh, he met Paris Collins, okay. in Marvel artist, you know. And uh, Paris is a great guy. I knew him from uh, my days at, at Marvel, so we're hanging out and stuff like that. And one moment he just he pulls Ben over and says, "You know, your dad, he's the guy. You know, he's he's like you know blah 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 blah. I don't want to say what he said like that." And, and Ben never heard that. He didn't. You know, he's just oh man, dad, I didn't know. You know, but um, I, I I can't worry about stuff like that, even like with fans. Right. You know, um, I've seen my name on uh, overrated artists and I've seen my name on underrated artists. <laughs> so I, I hit both, uh, you know, both lists. Um, as long as they're talking about me, I'm happy. <laughs> you know, definitely. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm of the I'm sort of a strange duck. I collect comics from 1993 and earlier. So to me, like your stuff is just right in my wheelhouse. So I was like, Oh, thank you. Yeah, man. It's, it's just, I said, talk to us. Yeah. yeah. Um, one last question. Was yeah. there a book that you really wanted to sink your teeth into that you didn't get a chance to that you maybe, you know, you did one or two issues, but you were kind of like, Oh man, if I had a longer run on this, uh, I would have long loved to have done in, Inhumans series. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Black Bolt. Yeah. They had a lot of uh, lot of opportunities there. Uh, you know, Jay did Jay Lee did his his thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was cool. Um, yeah, but I would have done it. You know, depending on who the writer was, of course. Right. But just visually, you know, um, that was like the uh, one of the Kirby families. Right. That needed to be you know explored a lot more. Yeah. that would have been fresh i think that would worked out pretty well yeah <laughs> well sir i want to thank you so much for taking the time and as a fan i want to thank you so much for your thank years you, of art it's it's awesome thank you for the journey you've taken. so that was our interview with greg laroque how about that career and how about that interview with oren oren you're hitting it out of the park i think you're going to uh get rid of mike and i aren't you
Now I, I need my buddies for support. Uh, but yeah, he was just so easy to talk to. He had so much to say. Uh, really cool guy. One of those dudes that you'd love to, you know, meet at a convention and chat some more with. So I hope everyone really enjoyed that. Yeah, I have nothing to add. I mean, great interview. Um, let's just go on to the end credits and uh, we'll take off for this week. So um, thanks for listening. Of course, this was a podcast only episode. Um, you can find other of our episodes wherever you can find podcasts. Um, some of them are on YouTube. So just search for Dollar Bin Bandits uh, for those. We are also on social Facebook, Dollar Bin Bandits, Instagram, Dollar Bin Bandits, you i almost said youtube but we already said that so i'm gonna say twitter db bandits and of course gmail come on guys i want to see that mail pouring in i'm gonna print them out and read them by my nightstand every night that's under the assumption that we're checking that mailbox by the way (laughs) oh i am checking it right now i am checking it nothing huh just recipes all right Uh, yeah and people want to sell us stuff all right guys um it's been a pleasure. Uh, we have more for you as always. So uh, keep tuned in to Dollar Bin Bandits and we will see you next time. The Dollar Bin Bandits are Oren Phillips, Joe Marcello, and Mike Farah. New episodes release every Wednesday and Friday. You can find us on all of the socials at Dollar Bin Bandits on Facebook and Instagram at DB Bandits on X. For more super nerdy discourse, join the Dollar Bin Banter Group on Facebook. You can email us at dollarbinbandits at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you found this episode. It's the easiest and most helpful way to grow the show. Looking for merch? Search us up on TeePublic. And if you want to support what we do, smash that support button on our website, dollarbinbandits.buzzsprout.com. Thank you to Sean McMillan for our graphics and Pat McGrath for our logo. Thank you to our friends at Tomorrow's Publishing, T-W-O-M-O-R-R-O-W-S dot com. And thank you all for listening. Until next time, banditos.